This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. along for the ride. Thanks a lot for stopping by. Glad to have this man back. He's the executive director of the Climate Science Coalition of America, and he's also an author. It's Steve Gorham. Steve, how are you? Good to see you. Doing great, Joe. Good to see you. It's uh, The new book is called Green Breakdown, The Coming Renewable Energy Failure, and it's pretty ominous. Uh, so renewable energy is supposed to save all of our lives. It's going to save the planet. Our grandchildren will thank us. But in your title, it says the failure. Why is it going to fail? Yeah, well, we have uh, the rich nations of the world, about a seventh of us, that are pushing to get to net zero by 2050. And that means replacement of coal, oil, natural gas, elimination of all carbon dioxide emitting sources, replacement with wind, solar, and biofuels. And that's what they're doing right now in Dubai, United Arab Emirates. They've got the 28th climate, uh, uh, 28th, COP28, 28th yeah. Conference of the Parties. But this is all going to fall apart. Uh, these fuels can't do what we need them to do. This is more than a, than a, uh, you froze up for a second. You said, you, you said it's more than, a, you said it's more than a something and you froze for a second. It's more than what? It's, it's more than a reach out goal. It is a, uh, more even than a wish and a prayer. It is going to fall apart. And we're already seeing the first signs of breakdown. Well, it's interesting to me that it's over in an oil-rich country where they're doing this. It's interesting to me that we've got China and India, which are the biggest polluters on the planet. They don't have to hold to any of these rules and regulations. Steve, why is it just the top 7% on the planet that have to push this? Top one-seventh. Oh, one-seventh. Okay, go uh, ahead. One-seventh. U.S., Europe, Canada, Australia, New Zealand, and, and some other countries. But the poor nations need hydrocarbons to grow. Uh, just uh, two days ago, uh, our uh, climate envoy, John Kerry, once said he wants to get rid of all coal plants. Well, coal provides 35 percent of the world's electricity. There are 4000 coal fired power plants out there. The world is building another thousand or they're in planning. Yet we have an electricity deficit. Seven hundred million people don't have electricity. We have hundreds of hospitals that don't have electricity. Imagine that. No air conditioning. How can you run an operating room? And then we have another 2 billion people that have blackouts or brownouts every single day, a third of the world's people. But Mr. Kerry doesn't care about those folks. He doesn't care whether they have electricity. He wants to get rid of all the coal plants. So this is just some of the madness that is coming out of Dubai. Green Breakdown, The Coming Renewable Energy Failure. The author is Steve Gorham, G-O-R-E-H-A-M. Go there and get this book right now. Um, do you, have you ever thought in a private moment, what the hell is John Kerry's problem? Why is this guy the guy 
pushing climate change agenda when he's flying around in his private jets and he's he's uh and his answer was well i have to because some of our jobs are so important that you've got to be able to do that and then he was sort of guilted into flying commercial but here's a guy that is married to to the heir of the heinz um fortune he doesn't want for any money he's not hurting at all what's his deal do you know well, I think he's. I really think he's a true believer on this. He thinks really? he, he swallowed the ideal, swallowed the ideology of climatism. He thinks we're we're causing dangerous climate change. He's not the only one, though. We got King Charles III over there. Uh, we got billionaire Bill Gates. Bill Gates has a house that uh, uses more electricity than 20 U.S. homes. We got Fatih Birol, uh, the executive director of the International uh, Energy Agency, who said in 2021, if governments are serious about the climate crisis, there can be no new investments in oil, gas, and coal from now on. But all of these guys have smartphones, which are made from chemicals, which come from uh, oil and gas. Uh, they all fly in their private jets. Uh, jet fuel is 99.9% from oil. They're all wearing clothes, uh, shoes, and suits, and t- socks, and underwear, and pants that come from synthetics that are made from hydrocarbons. And they're all eating food that is using uh, artificial, uh, I should say, synthetic nitrogen, which comes from ammonia, which comes from natural gas or coal. And then the tractors that run on gasoline and diesel are, are powering all of this. So they don't want to give up all of that, but they, they tell everyone, well, we've got to get rid of uh, coal, oil, and natural gas. It's kind of crazy because everything you just said is verifiably true, yet they'll look you right in the face and say, you've got to change the way you live or else the planet is done. What blows my mind, Steve, is that the things that you keep mentioning, coal and natural gas and fossil fuels, these are all naturally made. These are all from nature. These are all from God, if you believe in God. Um, so what exactly is the argument that their way is better by building gigantic windmills that kind of work sometimes or solar farms that are in efficient at best why is their argument against nature by going and using something man-made claiming that it's better well they also were emitting we're emitting too much carbon dioxide and that our uh, human emissions from industry have been going up for the last since about the 1950s and they're saying that is enhancing the greenhouse effect and is causing dangerous warming but when you look at it uh, and matter of fact we had a bunch of headlines this summer we had one scientist put out a, a study that said it was the hottest, that July was the hottest month in 120,000 years. And then the United Nations said the era of global boiling has arrived. Those things are flat out wrong. Uh, we've had one degree Celsius of warming in the last 140 years, but there's oceans of evidence that say it was warmer 1,000, 2,000, 4,000 years ago. For multi-centuries at a time, today's temperatures are not especially warm. Nevertheless, they're afraid of this uh, this warming due to carbon dioxide, and they say it, it's going to just ruin our society, which, which there's really not a lot of evidence for that. Once again, he's the executive director of the Climate Science Coalition and author of America, and he's also an author. It's Steve Gorham. Go to stevegorham.com and find out more. Get his book called Green Breakdown, Becoming Renewable Energy Failure. See, he just said something about a study in the summer from some scientist or somebody who claims it's it's been the hottest summer or the hottest time that we've seen in 120,000 years. Now, I've done a little bit of research. I think uh, reliable thermometers have been around maybe 200 years, maybe 300, maybe. But how, how do we possibly know that it's been the warmest anything over th- thousands and thousands of years? How can he know that? Yeah, thermometers have been around since about 1880, about 140 years. And in that time, temperatures have uh, global temperatures have gone up about a degree Celsius, not very much. 
But this scientist has estimated it was the warmest July in 120,000 years. And that was carried by CNN and AP spread all over the media. Uh, and then the United Nations came out and said that the era of global boiling has arrived. Wow. Come on. <laughs> and these things weren't challenged, but they're flat out wrong. There are lo- there's loads of evidence that says it was warmer a thousand years ago when the Vikings settled southwest Greenland and they had trees on the site that were 20 feet high. There's no trees there today, just scrub grasses. It was warmer 2,000, 4,000 uh, years ago and many times multi-century long periods over the last 10,000 years when it was warmer than today. And, and one example of a sea of examples involves the uh, Mendenhall Glacier which is near Juneau, Alaska, uh, that glacier's been receding for about 100 years, and, and the climatists say this is due to our, our uh, industry. But scientists went down from Southeast Alaska University, went down inside ice caves under the glacier about seven, eight years ago, and they found tree stumps Wow, a, f- a foot in diameter still in the ground, and they radiocarbon dated these, and they were 1,000 years old. So, 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 today, a thousand, so a thousand years ago, they were growing trees there? Yeah, there was a forest there, and today wow. there's a glacier. But there's just all sorts of evidence like that. And uh, so today's temperatures are not abnormally warm historically. We've had many warmer periods in the past. But the proponents have to push this to try and scare everybody to pass the laws they want to pass. And, and that's if you see an article about climate in the news media, it is most likely wrong. Well, how is it that somebody can call himself or herself, whatever it is, a, a scientist, and say something that is unprovable? You can't prove what the temperature was 120,000 years ago. It is undoable. We didn't have the, the technology to do so. And, and why is it, see, why do you think it is nobody challenges it, other than you and me, and, and people who are smart and want facts? Why is it that it's so easily accepted by the, by the general masses? Yeah, it's kind of a shame. A lot of scientists know it's wrong and they remain silent. But first off, they do have an idea what temperatures were in the past because they use things called proxies, which are chemical reactions that move uh, along with temperature. So, for example, tree rings, uh, the uh, the oxygen isotope uh, ratios between O16 and O18 that are in water that's deposited in ice or in the seashells of plankton, those sorts of things. So there are some things that give us measures of temperature, and those things show it was, it was warmer in the past. Uh, the Society has just published something. Uh, uh, there was an article in the New York Post just three months ago, a guy by the name of Patrick Brown, who's a climate scientist, and he basically said, I'm not allowed to tell the full truth about climate change. If I want to get a scientific article published in Nature, I have to take I have to take the ideology that humans are causing dangerous climate change when I when I publish my paper. Otherwise, they won't allow it to be published. So there's a huge amount of bias out there, and and much of what is both published and what that you read is wrong. I'm glad to hear that scientist's honesty, to be honest with you. Hopefully everybody hears that and understands that what you're getting is going to have to have a slant toward what the narrative is, or else his studies and, and the work he's done can't be seen. And that's what he's saying, right? Yeah, it's it's very difficult. I mean, I, I think you know that in the 1970s, a lot of scientists were predicting an ice age. Yes. It was, a, it was I, a Life magazine, wasn't it? I was in the management with a number of companies with guys that were studying it, and, and they were teaching it in the universities, and it was in it was in the magazines. And then uh, they got into this global warming kick, and about 15 years later, some of the same scientists that were predicting an ice age 
came out and were predicting that we're in a, in a period of global warming. So <laughs> dangerous global warming. Yeah, it's just so, it's know, about it's about control from from the those who want to be the controllers. The book is called Green Breakdown: The Coming Renewable Energy Failure. Uh, Steve, let me ask you something that I think is a very simplistic question: Why is yeah. it, it went up but one degree Celsius since the eighteen yeah. hundreds? Why is that bad for humanity? Well, it isn't. And you know, uh, uh, Hillary Clinton just three days ago say, she learned something from COVID nineteen. What did we see with COVID nineteen? Every day we saw deaths around the world. They were published every day and they were tracked. She wants to start doing that with, with uh, climate change deaths now. And so she says, oh, we know what those are in Europe, but we don't have it in Asia. The thing is, though, you know, and, and when I present to groups, I ask them, well, which is worse for people, cold weather or hot weather? And most people get the right answer. It's cold weather. If you look, um, all of our flu seasons are in during the cold months in the northern and southern hemisphere. Every country that I've checked has had more COVID-19 cases during cold months than warm months. And there are many, many studies that have been done that say in every country of the world, more people die during cold months than warm months. So if we have uh, we have warmer temperatures, uh, we're going to have fewer people die. Matter of fact, uh, candidate Ramaswamy last night got on and said eight times as many people die from cold weather as hot. I right. know, oh, by the way, where do people retire? They retire to North Dakota, Saskatchewan, and Alaska, right? No, they all go to Florida, Texas, and Arizona. Aren't it's they true. foolish? Don't they know yeah. our own U.S. government says warm temperatures are dangerous? For those who are watching, Steve's video is frozen, but the audio sounds amazing, Steve, so we'll continue. Executive Director of the Climate Science Coalition of America. He's also the author of several books. The latest one, Green Breakdown, The Coming Renewable Energy Failure. Um, Steve, can you tell me why people don't focus on nuclear? It's the cleanest. It's supposed to be the most efficient. Why is that somehow not coming out of the lips of people at the WEF and elsewhere? They all want these uh, solar farms and, and windmills. Well, there has been a little trend back toward nuclear in, in the last year or two because Europe is having so much trouble with uh, getting natural gas. But uh, nuclear's had a tough history. Back in the 1950s, a lot of guys said that electricity because of nuclear is going to be too cheap to meter. And they predicted 50% of the U.S. and the world by 2000 would be nuclear. But we had Three Mile Island, we had Chernobyl, we had Fukushima, uh, and we had a, a tons of regulations that got in there and makes it very expensive to build nuclear power plants today. And the problem now is these big ones are just too expensive. The one in Georgia costs $30 billion, a new one in, in England, $30 billion. Natural gas is much, much cooler, uh, cheaper rather. I do have hopes that the small modular react reactors and the molten salt reactors can bring those costs down again and uh, we can get back to using more nuclear. But right now we need some some uh, cost breakthroughs with nuclear to get it back, uh, back in a big play. By the way, about 90% of world electricity is nuclear right now. So it's come down from, it was 17% in the 1990s. So we, we need some breakthroughs in nuclear. If, if given your druthers, if you had the button, Steve, and you could decide how everybody gets their power on the planet, would it be nuclear? Would it be a combination of everything available? Would solar and wind even play a role? Well, it's a combination. And wind and solar might be great in, in Hawaii, where you don't have uh, hydrocarbons, you don't have pipelines right. in Arizona. Uh, but what we really need to look at is reducing real pollution, on the coal plants, we need to put those scrubbers to get the particles down. Um, uh, natural gas doesn't have that problem. A nuclear, we have to find a way to get rid of the waste. Uh, but this idea that carbon dioxide is causing dangerous climate change, that's the thing that has skewed the whole world in the wrong direction. And uh, this is all going to break down. We're going to have a green breakdown, and people are going to get back to reliable, uh, cost-effective energy sources. I hope it's not a dumb question, but carbon dioxide, I learned at 
an elementary school student is what the plants breathe and they give us oxygen. Aren't we taking a risk of, of not having enough energy or not having enough fuel or breathing material for plant and green life out there if we keep on cutting back on carbon dioxide? Well, there's an awful lot of oxygen out there, but right, we are at uh, um, we are at a little a little bit of a low level. Um, uh, Will Happer, a scientist at Princeton, who's an advisor of mine, points out that uh, we're at about three or four hundred parts, about four hundred parts per million. That is a, a a low level of atmospheric carbon dioxide. Four of every ten thousand molecules in the atmosphere are carbon dioxide. It was five or six times higher in the distant past, even when we had ice on the planet. And if you get down to about 250 parts per million, the plants don't have enough to grow. And by the way, we've had about 15% increase in foliage around the world in the last 20 years as the levels of carbon dioxide have, have increased. So just like those people growing cannabis, uh, carbon dioxide, they pump that CO2 into their greenhouse to make their crops grow. Carbon dioxide is great for the planet and should not be called a pollutant. It is uh, Steve Gorham. It's G O. R-E-H-A-M, Steve Gorham. Go to stevegorham.com. He's the executive director of the Climate Science Coalition of America, also the author of Green Breakdown. Go and get it. One, one last question. Why, why do you think, yeah. in your heart of hearts, as a scientist, as an American, as a, as a guy, why do you think they want to claim a climate emergency when, if they're smart, they know there, there really isn't one? Well, emergency is a big thing now. As a matter of fact, uh, uh, President Biden just uh, uh, in. Uh, uh, use the Defense Production Act, which was meant for warfare, to uh, get $169 million for heat pumps now. Uh, yeah, emergency is the, is the big way that we, that we can get money for all this stuff. I do think, well, there's a lot of a lot of people have vested interests. We have wind, solar, and biofuels. We have deans of sustainability, vice presidents of sustainability of companies, deans at the universities. There's a massive industry here. We've got a $4 billion computer modeling uh, industry. So there's a tremendous amount of money behind all this, but I still believe most of these people believe the ideology of climatism, that we are causing dangerous warming. But the, the data shows, A, that they're just not right, and B, that wind and solar and biofuels can't do the job. Hopefully those watching and listening will go and see the real data and go and see the real fact, and they'll go and get your book. It's called Green Breakdown, The Coming Renewable Energy Failure. It's Steve Gorham. Steve, thanks a million. Had a couple of technical issues today, but we got it fixed up and got you on, and, and a hope, hopefully people will heed the words that you bring and the facts that you bring as well. Thank you, my friend. And we're back after this on the Joe Pag Show. Stay right here. This is the Joe Pags Show. Hi, great to have you. We're glad that Steve Gorham stopped by. Before we head out, uh, I, I did not forget, and you shouldn't forget, and if your kids don't know about it, today is December 7th. It's Pearl Harbor Day. 82 years ago today is when the attack happened. The Japanese attacked Pearl Harbor in Hawaii, uh, launching us into World War II and in the Pacific um, action Go and, and make sure that you teach your children about this. We cannot forget our history. All right? Again, think about it today, Paul Harbor Day. We appreciate the sacrifice of everybody. It is uh, Sam, it's Carrie, it's Polo, and Ty. I'm Joe. We'll see you tomorrow. Have a good day. This is the Joe Pegg Show.